Welcome to episode 569 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther. And I'm still alive. And this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music shows, and games. <sighs> Josh, it has been a long time. We let people know that it was going to be a while. But I have a question for you. Should I be worried? You maybe should be worried because Jen did a really great job last week. She did an amazing job last week. I listened to the episode that you did together today and sent her a message just letting her know how awesome she was. What a great episode. What a great conversation with the two of you. She was fantastic filling in. She even just like jumped in when you didn't even ask her to. It was <laughs> it was so good. It was I I am so grateful that she agreed to be on and that you decided to do that. That was fantastic. Yeah, it was a lot of fun and I I I went back and listened to it again also and the the thing that I found most impressive is that like I I think most listeners would probably be surprised to know that she's never done a podcast before. Like she wasn't nervous. She didn't sound nervous. She just did a great job. So it was, it was a lot of fun having her on. And apparently our listeners felt the same way because we got a fair amount of feedback this week at entertainment two zero at the digital media zone.com. And I don't know, Richard, like you might be losing your spot based on just the, the feedback alone. <laughs> Yeah, let, I mean, we had multiple people like that she was on either over Twitter or by email. And in email specifically, we had messages from a couple people, including Ken and Zach and Jim. And everybody loved hearing her on the show, which is amazing. But each of those people who sent us email also had some feedback either about her or about other stuff. So let's let's run through that real quickly. Ken said that I checked out the book that Jen recommended at the end of the show and put it on my Kindle reading list. Here's a thought. When she finds a book she really likes, especially in the sci-fi and fantasy category, I don't know, he seems a little biased. I don't know what your thought is, but he suggests include that in Josh's what's going on in our entertainment section of the show. That's good feedback. I shared that with Jen and she would absolutely be willing to let me know what those books are. So I, I, I can do that going forward. All right. And then Jim got back with us also expressing how much he enjoyed seeing her or hearing her on the show rather and said reading more than 500 books a year is hard to believe Perhaps she should come back and give some speed reading tips. Anyway, she should be a regular thing, even if just annually. I forget how old your kids are, but hearing their views on the entertainment technology in your home would also be interesting, Josh. So I, I did let her know about this one, and she said, yeah, I was totally wrong. 500 is, is, is way wrong uh, once she realized, oh, that's like... One and a quarter books a day or something like right, that. Right, right. <laughs> More than a book a day. Right, right. She doesn't read quite that much. She does read every single day, but not not quite that much. So she she did do some looking tonight to see what Kindle and some of those other apps said. And apparently she she was actually a little disappointed in herself. It said that she only read a hundred books last year, which to me is still like bonkers amount of books. But she was a little disappointed that it was only 100 despite reading every single day. That does seem more realistic. I mean, if you're reading every day, I can understand how it might seem like you're reading 500 books, but the math didn't work to me either. No, so no, I'm I'm kind of glad that Jim brought that up. And then yeah. finally, Zach had a comment in addition to commenting on how much he liked hearing Jen unrelated to Jim, so thank or to Jen, so thank you very much for something other than that. And he asks, uh, or he says, actually, Josh recommended the game It Takes Two a few episodes ago. And he says that my 16-year-old daughter and I decided to give it a try last weekend and had so much fun. It's hard to get her to play games with me at her age. So thanks for the suggestion. 
I'm really glad that, that Zach liked this game. This is, it's such a fun game and it even, it even leads to fun conversations. So like I, I've been playing it with, with Joe, who, who I used to, to co-host story players with. And because the setting of the game is you playing as a married couple who's just told their daughter that they're getting a divorce and the whole game is basically, you know, you being forced to work together to try and rekindle your, your relationship. Like all of our text messages to each other to, to ask if we're going to play the game are things like, Hey, you want to go to marriage counseling tonight? (laughs) Things like that. So yeah, it is such a fun game. If you're thinking, uh, I don't, I don't play games a ton. And the person I want to play with, uh, wouldn't be sitting on the couch next to me. And I don't want to make them pay for another game. Also, one of the other cool things about it takes two is they have a free buddy pass. So only one person needs to pay for it. And then the other person just downloads the buddy pass edition of the game, basically. And the person who owns the game sends the invitation to the other person and they can play for free. It's really great. So cool. Yeah, for sure. So cool. All right. We also got a tweet from Renee and he asked, can you guys look into WISA? This is the, the, the wireless speaker uh, an association that we've talked about in the past. Uh, he says, and Axiom, uh, he wonders, is WISA still viable? I no longer see WISA speakers from Klipsch either. And that's a great question, Renee. Uh, I, I do want to look into this for you. I don't have an answer for you yet, but I spoke with Wysa at CES this year. So I, I I hope that the whole thing isn't gone and that all of the partners haven't ducked out of it because I still think it's really cool technology. And it's actually been something that I've been strongly considering implementing in my living room because it is such a really nice uh, way of setting up uh, a home theater system with with completely wireless speakers that only need power, you know. And and since I moved into this house in you know the end of May, and you know moved from a house that was built in 1900 to a house that was built in the 80s, I'm now realizing that uh, power outlets in rooms are abundant in modern houses. Mm-hmm. So having to plug in each individual speaker. Not nearly as big of a deal in modern houses. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny. I remember talking about this after CES, and I believe that we've reported on WISA support in products since then. I, I think, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if part of the problems that we're seeing with distribution of products this year, largely because of the supply chain disruptions isn't playing a a factor here. You know, this is not something that's absolutely critical. And if you're a company like Klipsch or like any other uh, audio video manufacturer that's putting out products and you're having to prioritize where you're going to put your chips, it may be in your core products as opposed to those that are newer and more innovative. Right. Right. Yeah, that that's that's a good point. So I was able to find the speakers on on Klipsch's website, but only through Google. I, I was not able to find them through their menus and stuff. And when you do actually get to the speakers on Klipsch's site, there's not a price listed or an add to cart button. So Yeah. I, I mean your your theory could still absolutely stand. And and maybe this is one of those things where like the chip that Wysa uses is just impossible to get right now. Which but, wouldn't surprise me because nope. those, those organizations or standards or manufacturers that have less quantity than say your Google pixel or your Apple iPhone or your GM car or whatever it happens to be, they're going to be on the bottom of the list for getting those chips made. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we'll keep digging, but uh, Renee, hopefully we'll find some good news for you. And frankly, some good news for me, because I'm getting kind of tired of the sound bar that's in my living room. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get into the the rest of the news. And R- Richard, I'm, I'm happy that 
the the first 10 minutes of the show has gone so smoothly. I was I was a little nervous tonight that maybe you would have forgotten how to podcast after three oh, weeks off. Oh, very nice. Very <laughs> nice. I'm going to ignore that one. <laughs> All right. So let's get into some video news. The first one, it's video news, but it's sports. So I, I don't think Richard's interested in this one either, uh, much like our, our gaming news. So MLB, the, the Major League Baseball uh, Association here in the U.S., they are rumored to be in investigating offering a streaming game, you know, streaming video service that would only show local games. And if, if you know much about these streaming services, that's basically the opposite of what you can get right now. MLB, just like all of the other major sports in, in the U S at least has an out of market streaming service. It's MLB TV you pay, I have no idea how much it costs. Uh, it's probably 150, 200 bucks a year. And it allows you to stream basically every out of market game that you could possibly watch. And, and so that's basically any game that isn't in your local area and any game that's not on national TV. And NHL and NBA, they all have similar programs. Uh, NFL has a similar one uh, called Sunday Ticket. And it's cool, but most people want to watch their local sports team. But you can't do that through these services because your local cable provider has the rights to those games. Some people have gotten around things like that through certain means. It's not something I have to personally deal with because my favorite hockey team, Pittsburgh, is not my local uh, team. It, that, depending on who you ask, would be Columbus or Detroit. So not something I have to deal with, but for a lot of people, it's a giant pain. So this would solve that for people. They could watch their local sports team without having to have cable. And I mean, you'd, you'd be limited in that these other programs, you can watch every game. You know, I, I can turn on the, the NHL streaming service and watch every game except for my my local ones. So even when my penguins aren't playing, a lot of times I'll turn it on and just pick a game to watch. And if I had something like this, I wouldn't be able to do that, but I don't think I'd care. Like all I really want is to watch my team. So if this actually happens, I think that it could be really really beneficial and and really uh improve viewership. In fact, uh, this this article that we're going to link to over at The Verge says that MLB viewership has dropped 12% this year compared to 2019. Compared to 2019, not, you know, crazy pandemic year last year, compared to the normal year. And 12% is no small number. So uh, I, I do think that that's probably partly due to the fact that Lots of people are cutting their cable providers because of cost. And even the online alternatives like YouTube TV and Hulu with, with live TV, all of those have gotten really expensive too, like not much less expensive or in some cases more expensive than your local cable provider. So this would be a really good option for the people who don't care about cable anymore and maybe don't care about things like YouTube TV either and just want to watch their favorite baseball team, the local team. And the other cool thing, maybe you don't care about baseball, is apparently the NBA and the NHL are working with Major League Baseball on this and could end up doing the same thing. If this happens, it's rumored to be coming in 2023, so you got to wait a couple more years. Uh, and the rumor is that this could cost somewhere between 10 and $20 a month, which is roughly what I would expect for a service like this uh, prior to the NHL switching to just being part of ESPN Plus, which has saved me a boatload of money. I was paying about 150 bucks a year for the NHL service, and I'm betting that MLB and NBA cost at least that much, if not more. So. I have a couple of things on this. First off, why? I mean, yeah, viewership is down, but I think you could argue that viewership was probably down last year too because people didn't show up for the 
remote games or whatever you want to call them, the uh, the the games that didn't have people in the stands. That was one of the big kind of learnings from last year that that didn't really appeal to people. So why why now are they conceding to this? And does this mean that they've somehow worked something out with the cable providers that? make this possible in a way that it wasn't before, because that was their whole reason, which is what you mentioned, that the local providers have exclusive rights to these local games. Yeah. And I think that is the the hardest part of achieving this is, is figuring out how to, how to make all of those deals with all of those cable providers. As to why now, I, I, I think it's just because people haven't been willing to pay for cable to watch these things, but they still want to watch their teams. I, I mean, it's too expensive to go to the games, to go to a lot of the games with with how expensive ticket prices are and all of that stuff. So if you want to watch your team, you got to do it on TV. And if your only option is cable, but you don't want to pay $100 a month for cable to only watch your sports team. And, and the other thing I, I think worth considering is... The Major League Baseball season is really long. So yep. even if you only want to pay for cable during your sports season, that's April that's six through October. That's six months. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. So Yeah. No, that, that's a, a long period of time. And I guess the other thing, and this is kind of on the opposite side of things, is that if anybody can figure this out, I feel like MLB can figure this out. We should remember that MLB was among the first of the sports leagues that had streaming down. Mm -hmm. They worked with the same provider that supported HBO. And it, it was MLB that made streaming sports actually possible. So if this is something that could end up seeing enormous demand, I have no doubt at all that they'll be able to support it. Right. Right. And and they were doing it so well that some of the other leagues, like the NHL, actually abandoned their technology and switched to the technology that, that MLB built. Right. Yeah. Right. Which, if I remember correctly, I think Disney owns now. They do. You're right. <laughs> but but still, I mean, it, it, it was it was good technology. It is good technology. And I have a lot of confidence in this. They're kind of the pioneers in the streaming space. So that's why this is really interesting to me. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, next up, we have a real quick one here. Plex is now making additional streaming content available to its regular Plex customers. So if you're a Plex customer and you like to take advantage of the free content that they have, you may know that they have all sorts of streaming channels that you can watch. And among those channels are a couple AMC networks. Yes, a couple. There's a network exclusively dedicated to The Walking Dead. There's a network exclusively dedicated to, I'll call it unscripted television. They call it reality TV. There are, I think, six of them, actually. But now they're adding to their on-demand content a bunch of AMC Network shows. Now, that sounds really cool because they have all... What did we just talk about? We just talked about all of the Walking Dead stuff. They have a whole bunch of renowned series that have won Emmys. So here's the lineup of the stuff that's going to be available on demand if you want to watch it. It includes shows like Bridezilla and Amazing Wedding Cakes and Comedy Bang Bang and Comic Book Men and approximately half a dozen other shows that I've never heard of before. So I feel like you're not actually excited about this. I'm not excited <laughs> about this at all. I'm not excited about this. I mean, I guess this appeals to some people, but I and and <laughs> fun fact, I've once in my life been called Bridezilla, but <laughs> 
I just don't think that this is going to have (laughs) the appeal (laughs) that people or that they might think it has. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, isn't The Walking Dead enough? Yeah, but Walking Dead is not part of this. Walking Dead is on their streaming channels. This is on-demand content. This is the stuff where you can say, I want to watch this episode oh, of this show. Okay. Okay. So the the if you want to watch The Walking Dead, it's just whatever episode they're showing right now. Right. And that's been okay. around for a while. Right. They've had that for months now. Yeah. So this is just taking specific shows from those channels that they have and making them available on demand, which is great. But I don't know. Flex, MC, I'd like to see some good shows. Right. You kind of want it reversed. Like, I want to pick which episodes of The Walking Dead I'm watching. The rest of this is just like filler TV to have on in the background. So I don't want to have to pick the episode. I, I kind of feel that way, too. Although I, I, I can't say I've ever had Amazing Wedding Cakes on in the background just as background. Oh, I wouldn't put any of this on in the background. But somebody <laughs> would. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to a, a very small and quick update from Sling TV. They they did release a new updated UI this year, and they're making another fairly small tweak, but uh, one that, that's, I think, going to be fairly welcomed by uh, the Sling TV users. And that is that if you are watching live TV and you press the back button to get back to the guide, you're going to see the, the full screen guide. But you can still see what's on the TV. So they're putting a small mini player in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen. None of this is revolutionary. We've seen this in lots of services and cable devices and, and all of that stuff for years and years and years. But when you don't have it, you notice it. So yep. they're, they're they're bringing this back and uh, it's, it's coming very soon to Android TV, Amazon Fire TV, and Roku. Good. That was one of the things that I really disliked about it is if you wanted to jump to the guide, then you lost anything that you were watching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's super annoying, especially when you're streaming because you know there's going to be that buffer. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on to audio news. We only have really one audio story, and that's the stuff that came out of this week's Apple event. Apple announced a number of things, and among those are some new audio products. The first I think is pretty cool. The first is a new version of AirPods. AirPods, of course, are the wireless earbuds. AirPods 3 now have a shorter stem. They have better ear fit, supposedly. They have better battery life, up to six hours now or 30 hours with their charger. They support MagSafe and wireless charging, which the first version did not. They also support the spatial audio, which is available in the AirPods Pro. These will cost you $179. You can pre-order them now, and they're available for delivery next week. Question for you. Yeah. Because you probably have AirPods because you're an Apple guy, right? I do. What if you're not an Apple guy? Would would these still be good earbuds to get? Good good question. Very good question. They still work very well with other products as standard Bluetooth ear earphones, headphones. I have not personally experienced that, but I know people that have switched between Android and their PC and their Mac. The difference is that the Apple devices are designed to automatically detect them. You'll have to actually explicitly select them on those other devices that don't detect the AirPods. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. And I I went from the original AirPods to the AirPods Pro because I liked the AirPods enough that I wanted the next gen. I wanted uh, like the 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 better version of this. The AirPods 3 fits somewhere between the old AirPods and the existing AirPods Pro. They're kind of somewhere in the middle. They don't have the noise canceling. They don't have the gasket in them. So you're not like, you know, uh, you're not actively 
preventing noise from getting in your ears. They work just like regular earbuds. Okay. Whatever you call them. Earbuds. Taking it back earbuds. quite a few years. <laughs> yeah, sorry. All right. They also announced new versions of the HomePod Mini. These, of course, are a good product for listening to audio. I have a couple in my office. And these are now going to be available in a reddish-orange color, blue and yellow, starting in November and they will still cost $99. Would a yellow HomePod mini, Josh, interest you in maybe, I don't know, experimenting with one? Nope. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you know, I figured I'd try because yellow. Yeah, I mean, it, it would look great in, in my office. I've got a yellow desk pad on on my desk it, it would it would match that well i'm sure it would match my my ring it would match my watch like i've got all sorts of yellow things going on in my life uh but i have absolutely no use to switch to to apple's speakers no nope. because you're all google right and as as uh, jen indicated last week without necessarily knowing what ecosystem it was that's a system that your family's comfortable using now right well, and th they know it's Google. They just wouldn't know the names of the individual products because you have to use the word Google to get its attention. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, then let's switch to some gaming news. So uh, first up, kind of some expected news from Nintendo that they were planning to expand their Nintendo Switch online service. So for for those of you maybe not in the know, because Nintendo is as really for years been known as the the service that's kind of a little bit more casual it's maybe not the place you go for you know major AAA games outside of the first party games from nintendo so what is nintendo switch online well it actually is fairly similar to xbox live gold it is a service that's primarily there to allow you to play games online with your friends and other random strangers it's okay at that it's not nearly as mature and full-featured as something like xbox live gold or even playstation network they haven't been doing it as long and from what i understand online gaming has never been as big of a deal in japan as it is in north america and europe so maybe that's why it sucks compared to the other op options but it's still important if you want to be able to play super smash brothers with your friends so the, the regular version of Nintendo Switch Online, which does also give you access to uh, some classic games like NES games, Super Nintendo games. I think there might be some Game Boy or Game Boy Advance or Game Boy Color games or something like that on the service. Also, that will set you back 20 bucks a year, which seems, frankly, it has always seemed like the right price because it's not giving you a ton of stuff, but... You know, you, you got to expect to pay for some of the stuff. And $20 a year seems perfectly reasonable. They're now expanding the service. And in fact, they're calling it Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack. And it's going to give you three extra things. You're going to have Nintendo 64 games that you can play through the service. Sega Genesis games that you can play through the service. And they're including... Uh, a major new expansion pack for Animal Crossing. It's called Animal Crossing New Horizons Happy Home Paradise DLC. And they're including that for free if you are a Nintendo Switch Online Plus expansion pack subscriber. I think everyone figured that uh, an expansion like this would be 5 $10 more a year. I mean, the base service is only $20 a year. How much more could possibly go up to add one standalone DLC for one game plus some N64 and Genesis games? Nintendo lost their friggin' minds and it is $50 a year. They think that these three extra things are worth an additional $30 a year. And it sure seems like most of the internet thinks they're insane. So <laughs> I I don't know how this is actually going to go for Nintendo. And I'll be curious to see if they actually change course on some of the pricing. Because 
seriously, like all of the comments out there are like, this is nuts. I'm not giving you $30 extra a year for, for this stuff. No, thank you. Right. That's just, like Nintendo can charge whatever they want. Nintendo is the Apple of video games. So they just say, I, I don't care. We set the price, you pay it, and you'll be happy about it. <sighs> so I, I, I won't be paying for it, but I don't even pay for the regular Nintendo Switch online. I only play Nintendo Switch with the people in my house, so I don't need it. Uh, one other quick story, and this is on the Xbox side. They're actually working on a couple of cool new features for the service. These. The first one sounds like something that seems like it should have been there from the beginning, but it hasn't been. If you're going to play with a headset, whether that's wired when you plug it into your controller directly, or if you have a wireless headset, you probably don't want the audio also coming out of your TV speakers. But if you want to mute your speakers, you have to do that manually. It's kind of insane, but that's how it's been at least since the beginning of the Xbox One back in 2013. They're working on making this an option so that if you connect a headset, it'll automatically mute your TV speakers. Thank you. This probably like I, I hate it when people are like, yeah, that should have been there from the beginning. This is a feature that probably should have been there from the beginning. Yeah, that should have been there from the beginning. Yeah. Come on, let's be serious. And just so that people don't think I'm playing favorites, because I often point out when Xbox does things that PlayStation doesn't do. PlayStation Five has done this. Like this, this is a feature that they've had for a while. So Microsoft is finally catching up there. The other thing that they are doing that I think is actually really cool is they are implementing system-wide colorblind filters. Now, most games, at least most AAA games nowadays, have a lot of colorblind features built in so that you can change the way the game looks so that if you are colorblind, you can still play the game effectively. But this will be built into the Xbox machine itself into the operating system so it's not just in games it'll work in all games even if they don't have their own colorblind modes built in it'll work in movies it'll work in apps it'll work in the menus it'll work in everything and it'll also support you know this is probably something that isn't super well known there are different forms of colorblindness like we always think of red green colorblind that's not the only way you can be colorblind so it'll support multiple forms of of colorblindness and if you're thinking eh, that's cool that helps me but i also record a lot of clips that i share with people or record a lot of screenshots that i share with people and i don't necessarily want those impacted by the colorblind mode it doesn't impact them if you record a clip or a screenshot or whatever it records it without the colorblind filters so that people who are not colorblind which is still the majority of the population We'll see it the way that they would normally see it. I guess that's good for everybody else. It's maybe not so great for the colorblind people, but maybe that'll eventually be uh, a an option that that you can configure also. Right, but if it's system-wide, my bet is that if you play it back yourself, you're going to see it the way you would see it through the filter. Right. But if you share it, it is not going to have the filter applied. I am blown away by this i can't wait to see how they implement this because i spent years when i was doing web development and web design investigating and learning about different types of colorblindness and how to properly accommodate them with your color selections on a website and if there's a means of filtering actual video and the whole experience in a way that helps those with these different kinds of colorblindness view content in a way that is more natural to them, that helps them see the differences in color that they normally might not see. I can't wait to see how they did that. I think this is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be really impressive to see for sure. Uh, I've got a really good friend who's a gamer who, who deals with colorblindness and I I can't wait to get his opinion on, on how well this is implemented right now. It is just in the alpha skip ahead ring 
which means it is only for the very earliest of beta testers of the Xbox operating system. But once it's ready to go primetime, it should be available for everybody. And that typically doesn't take that long. One or, one or two months is typically how long uh, things sit in the various beta rings before being made publicly available. My guess is by the end of the year, everyone will have these features. And it really just goes to show how much work uh, Microsoft and the Xbox teams are doing to increase accessibility on their platform. It, it's really, it's really impressive how much they've they've worked on that uh, over the years. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it for our news this week, Richard. Uh, how, how many hours do you need to talk about what's been going on in your entertainment center? <laughs> Probably not as long as you might think, because while it's been a long time. I was away and I wasn't watching a lot of television. So let's first talk about why I was away. I was away because I was at our rental property and I was there primarily to fix stuff, to get the property in in shape for the next season of rentals, to see what needed to be corrected. And oh man, those TVs, what a mess. So I bought this house with, Everything already kind of pre-set up, supposedly. And some AV installer went in and set up Samsung smart TVs. And the Spectrum guy went in and connected the Spectrum boxes to them. And even just those two things together are enormously complicated. Because that means you have two remotes for every TV. Because the Spectrum remote can control the volume and the power for your TV and nothing else. So it's not going to control the, the built-in smart apps and all that sort of stuff. Right. That's super lame. Right. So pretty much you have to use two remotes and that's just a royal pain. And then in the big great room, there's a receiver and that has another remote. And some of the functions are supported through CEC and some of them are not. <laughs> and in that particular case, you actually have to point your remote for the cable box to the windows over on the right. So that bounces off of them and projects back to the box in the cubby that it's in. Oh, come on. It's insane. It's it's absolutely insane. And it's different in every room, and I did not have time to fix it. So when I'm back down there in November, that's one of the things I have to deal with is trying to fix this problem. I did buy a Harmony remote to try and solve the great room problem, but for all the bedrooms, I'm just going to have to figure out how to make the two remote situation as painless as possible, and I don't quite know how to do that yet what about those lower cost sofa baton remotes that we were talking about a few episodes back yeah the 50 some yeah. dollar ones that might actually be a solution i could look into i might buy one so that i can take it down and give it a try and see if that's something that i would want to set up for all of the rooms but man i was so frustrated and i can't even imagine what guests are going through <laughs> i had one guest say that they looked. They had to run all over the house trying to find the remotes that worked with the right TVs. It's that's not the problem. All the remotes work with all the TVs. All the cable box remotes work with all the cable boxes. The problem is that you have to point them in a specific direction to get it to work. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. So that's one of my problems. But what what's interesting about that is as I was listening to last week's episode with. Jen, there were a couple things she said about using your TV system. And she admitted that now, now that things are kind of stable and set up, it's much, much easier. But that in general, and I, I took exact quotes here, she said, I don't know how to watch TV in my house. Right. I don't know what buttons to push to turn it on. And I want it to just work. Right. Yeah. That's how it should be for everyone. In 2021, and that should we're be simple. Still not there. It's ridiculous. Today on Twitter, my friend Jenny Josephson 
shared a diagram that she drew <laughs> for her father to try to explain the different remotes and how they operate the different things that are connected to his TV. This is insane. It's just absolutely insane that we're still here and that somehow the market has decided that there's still just not enough of a business to make a universal remote company viable. I just don't get it. Yeah, it's crazy. All right. Enough with my ranting on TV. I've been watching Ted Lasso, of course. The season finale of that for season two was up. I really, really admire Jen's restraint from diving into the details on that because there was so much in there and it was so good and it was so controversial. And I can't wait to see you guys, hopefully, at Thanksgiving so that we can talk about that because, geez, that was insane. Big Brother season finale came up and I can honestly say I am 100% pleased with who won that. I, I think it is uh, one of maybe five times the entire time I've watched that show that I felt like the person who won it absolutely without a doubt deserved it. So I'm very happy about that. We have continued watching what we do in the shadows. It's in its third season now and continues to be very entertaining. While I was away, I introduced some of my friends to that Netflix series, The World's Most Amazing Vacation Rentals. It is now on season two. It started season two, or they released season two since I talked about it last. But I was sharing some of the earlier episodes with them that I hadn't watched before, and they thought it was pretty cool. Again, I recommend that if you are into kind of vacation or vacation property type videos, I think this is very good. We watched an episode of Impossible Engineering, which I record all the time and don't often go back and watch about Chernobyl. And I don't know how I missed this, but this was about the big, huge structure that they built around or built to put around the Chernobyl Tower. Somehow, I didn't even know this was a thing. And it's insanely cool. And I suggest that you check it out. I think it's on Discovery Networks. It's probably on Discovery Plus if you have that. But this was a really, really cool project that I didn't know anything about. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. I have started watching. Well, I mentioned this before. I already started watching The Morning Show Season 2. And I'm trying to keep up with that. I think I'm one episode behind on that. And then with my friends, while we were down at the uh, vacation property, we watched Muppets Haunted Mansion, which is awesome if you are a Haunted Mansion fan and a Muppets fan. There's so much fan service in this. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. I think you will enjoy it if you like either or both of those things. And finally, I finished Project Hail Mary. Oh my God, what an amazing book. Isn't what it? an amazing book. I recommended it to everybody that visited us <laughs> while we were away. I'm like, you have to read this book. If you read The Martian, you will love this. It's amazing. It's amazing. It is so friggin' good. I loved it. Absolutely. Yep. All right. So that's it for me. Josh, what have you been up to? There's not a lot in your list. There's not a lot in my list. Uh, well, so last week, last weekend, Jen was out of town. So it was me flying solo with the kids, uh, which meant, I think, one night I played video games. One night I think I was exhausted. And <laughs> just one the night? The other night I was exhausted. I'm not really sure exactly how that all went. Uh, yeah, I, I might have... No, th this isn't entirely true. One night I did play some NHL 22. This is finally me getting to play the brand new NHL game with uh, my usual crew of, of NHL players. And, you know, last year, uh, anybody who really listens closely might remember that uh, I thought NHL 21 was 
kind of a dud. Like they barely changed anything from the previous year, right. including the bugs that still had a lot of the same bugs from the previous year. They've actually changed things this year and they, they've got a new game engine that they're using in it. So uh, it looks better. And the, it, it's like they actually put some, some effort into it this year. So most of that's good. They've brought back some features that have been missing for a few years that make the mode that I play uh, a lot more enjoyable and customizable. So that's good. EA did one really, really dumb thing with with NHL, though. <sighs> Obviously, the NHL series is nowhere near their most popular franchise. You know, FIFA is the biggest by far because soccer slash football is big across the entire world and then madden is also enormous because everyone in the united states loves football basically nhl not so much so it's already a pretty small audience so if you want to play online it's always been limited to you're only able to play with the people on the same console as you even though over the last generation, other games started introducing cross-play that would allow you to play with people on PlayStation or PC. NHL hasn't been on PC in decades. Uh, they not only did not introduce cross-play, they made two separate versions. So if you're in the Xbox space, there's one for the Xbox One and there's one for the Xbox Series X and S. Or if you're on PlayStation, there's a version for PlayStation 4 and a version for PlayStation 5. You can't matchmake with people on the other versions. What? So the guys that I play with, I've got a Series X. Another guy's got a Series S. The other guys all have Xbox Ones. And we're like, well, I guess we're all buying the Xbox One version then. Because if I buy the Xbox Series X version, I can't play online with my friends who are playing on an Xbox One. It's stupid. What the hell? Yeah, it's super, super dumb. And they're, and they're separate games. So it's $60 for the Xbox One version and $70 for the Xbox Series X version. Oh, but we'll throw you a bone. If you give us $100, we'll give you both versions. No, EA. How about... That's, uh, it's stupid. It's so dumb. That's just... I mean, do you think that there was a technical reason for that, or is that a money grab? Uh, given that it's EA, I think most people are just assuming that it's a money grab. <laughs> I I think it's possible that it's that there's a technology reason behind it, but I, th- I have a hard time seeing that that could possibly be the case, at least on the Xbox side, because everything is so backwards compatible on Xbox. You could maybe make that argument to me on the PlayStation side, because that's not always the case over there. But come on, this is ridiculous. So, you know, for for a few minutes, I thought, screw it. Like, I'm going to play the crap out of this game. Eventually, my friends will get new consoles. I'll just give them the hundred bucks and have both versions. But then I thought, no, this is dumb. Like, we're all going to play the Xbox One version now. Eventually, this game is going to come to Game Pass. And then... I'll just switch to the Series X version for free because it'll be in Game Pass when hopefully the, you know, the rest of my friends are maybe able to buy a new game console. But who knows when game consoles are actually going to be available for them to buy. That's nuts. So that's the insanity with NHL 22. The game is definitely better if you're into hockey and maybe stepped away for a couple of years because you got sick of it being the same old thing. It is better. It is different this year. Uh, might want to check out NHL 22. Although if you're not super hardcore, maybe wait until January or February when it's probably going to come to EA Play slash uh, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. Now, another game that, that came out this week and was available day one on Game Pass was Back for Blood. I talked about this a few weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago when they released the beta for it. This is a game very similar to the old Left 4 Dead games where it's four people trying to escape zombie hordes, uh, first-person shooter. Those games were great. There have been similar games from other companies 
since then, because I think those games, I mean, they came back out on the Xbox 360 timeframe. So we're talking like 2009-ish and they were great. And most of the games that have come out since then to try and copy it have just been okay. Well, Back for Blood is built by the original team that built Left for Dead all those years ago. And it's really good. And it's not just a co- you know like a remake of Left 4 Dead from a dozen years ago. They've introduced a lot of new game mechanics. It's it's fun, and and the, the new stuff that they've introduced is is cool and makes the game more replayable. Uh, we we played it Sunday night with my my usual core group of four gamers and had a blast. This might end up being a game that I play even outside of that that core group or maybe uh at least play it more regularly with them even when when some of those guys can't play because i actually got a message from our friend rob h over at the av rant podcast he was really excited about this game so he picked it up and he was messaging me uh, over the weekend saying hey i'm gonna play this weekend are you available i would love to play with you so i really hope to be able to play with rob h soon because back for for blood is a lot of fun and if you've already got game pass you should check it out for sure cool okay that's it for my entertainment center Wait, what? That's you haven't watched any TV at all? No, I don't think I've watched... Well, I've watched some hockey since the hockey season started last week. Um, but that's it. No, like once Jen and I finished uh, Ted Lasso, I haven't watched anything. I should probably go back to checking out, uh, you know, giving For All Mankind another episode or two to see if that gets better because um, I didn't love it. And I did get a recommendation from one of our listeners on Twitter. This is from Alex. Uh, he recommended the show Tehran, which I believe is also on Apple TV. Uh, he said it's, you know, got a lot of like Jason Bourne type vibes and stuff. And that sounds mm-hmm. right up my alley. So I might just jump straight to that instead of, you know, and maybe once I finish that, then maybe try for all mankind again. Uh, Cause this, <laughs> this sounds right up my alley. Yeah, I want to try that. I did not watch that when it came out, but I do want to watch it. I will say your comment last week about how the first episode of For All Mankind didn't grab you is exactly how I felt about it, too. I watched the first episode and let it go for months before I got back to it. And I'm glad I got back to it because it gets much, much better. The first episode didn't do what it is supposed to do which is keep you watching. So I would not give up. I would watch the second and third episodes of For All Mankind. And if by then you're not interested, which I very seriously doubt, (laughs) then I would consider dropping it. But give it a try. Okay. Okay. I'll stick with it. All right. Well, we we hope our our listeners are going to stick with us too. If if you want to find a way to get a hold of us, there are a lot of them. We are on Twitter at Richard Gunther, at Josh Pollard, and at DigiMediaZone. We're other places too. All of our contact information is over in the show notes at thedigitalmediazone.com. And you can also go there and check out our live show because especially now that Richard's back, we're doing the show live again. So typically Tuesday nights, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, but follow us on Twitter because we'll typically tweet usually with a little bit more notice, like, you know, late afternoon instead of me not tweeting until like 30 minutes before the live show tonight. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, because we love having you all here for the live show. It makes it a lot more fun. And so hopefully we will see you back next week, although it might not be at 8.30 on Tuesday next week because I have something else going on. So, but we should be back next week uh, because that's going to do it for episode 569. He's Richard Gunther, and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye.